What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hi, friends. Dr. Joseph Brasher coming to you again. Looking forward to this uh, time that we're going to get to spend together in God's word. And we are on day 38, and we are in 2 Samuel chapter 21. And uh, we're going to be reading out the New International Version. And it's like what I did yesterday. I'm going to be uh, giving you some uh, comments as we go along through the scripture just to help us follow along with what's happening in these stories. And so uh, here we go. We're going to read a little bit, beginning in verse 1. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, It is on account of Saul and his bloodstained house. It's because he put the Gibeonites to death. So we would we stop here for a second, kind of get a context of what's happening, is that David could see that the prob that there was this uh, famine that was happening. Year one had gone through gone through. Okay, we're starting to realize there's an issue here. Year two, oh no, okay, we're still got some problems. And then he hits year three. And he's like, oh man, right? And so David could see that the problem that he faced was uh, it required some more in-depth searching of uh, you know, what's really happening behind this? Is there something? Are we going through a time of God's testing in this? And so we have to understand God sometimes he will continue to show us areas in our lives that need to be dealt with. You know, it's it's like the whole saying of that, uh, you know, sometimes we want to try and just clean out the spider webs whenever really we need to kill the spider. And I think that's even a book that's out there right now. It's called Kill the Spider. But it, it just shows us of how sometimes we can just try to make everything look like it's uh, it's okay whenever really there's a deeper issue that's happening that we need to deal with. And that's what God is going to show through this account of what's happening in 2 Samuel 21. So let's go on to read verse uh, verse 2. The king, this is David, summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul and his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. David asked the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? If you go back to Joshua chapter 9, Israel had made an oath to Gibeah to watch over them and not to kill them. This was a treaty that they entered into. But Saul broke that oath as king when he tried to kill them. He tried to remove them. They had survivors. And, and this was a time for David to, to come along and to try to make this right of what Saul had done. We have to remember, God expects us to keep our promises when we make them in his name. And so this was something that was going to continue on. And so David sought to bring about this process of restoration. And think about this. This was even for something that he didn't do. I think about that as sometimes I remember growing up whenever I would get into trouble. And I remember one time, and I will never forget the moment that this happened, whenever my dad came to school with me, it was something, it was a, you know, something small, and yet I could see as well my dad's just frustration, his uh, embarrassment in that moment of how he was apologizing for the actions that I did. And I will never forget that. 
and that's left a mark on me. And that's a little bit of what David's having to do. David's going to the Gibeonites, and he's just having to apologize to them. How can I make this right for something that he didn't do in this moment? And and yet he's trying to do, he's trying to make it right. Well, listen to what the Gibeonites said, verse 4. The Gibeonites answered him, We have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. What do you want me to do for you, David asked. I mean, just say it. They answered the king, as for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us, so that we may have so that we may have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. So the king said, I will give them to you. Verse 7, the king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath before the Lord between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. But the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, a different one, okay? The two sons of Asia's a daughter, Rizpah, whom she had born to Saul, together with the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merab, whom she had born to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the, the Melchalite, the Melchalite. He handed them over to the Gibeonites, who killed them and exposed their bodies on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley harvest was beginning. I think it's you know it's interesting in this that we see David he showed his promise remained to Mephibosheth, right? Mephibosheth. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we see this unlikely grace that was shown to him. And from that moment, he was going to be treated as a son. Now, David could have handed Mephibosheth over, but this was a chance for him to fulfill his word. Right? He had made an oath, and he was not going to let this fall. Now, understand as well, this was not a time that we see that the advocating for death to occur. Right. Rather, what a lot of commentators agree in this is that they were handed over because these were not only direct descendants of Saul, but they actually benefited from the death of the Gimeonites. And they made it known that they had benefited from that death. And for David, he was taking the right steps. Now, I'll never forget what fraternity brother told me one time. He said, and you've probably heard this before said as well, but it just stuck out in this moment. What's popular is not always right, and what's right is not always popular. For David, he was having to take these steps in order to bring about restoration, to make things right. And it may not have been popular, but it was the right steps for him to take in this time to, to fulfill this oath. Now, we have something that's interesting that happens after this, is that Rizpah, verse 10, daughter of Asia, she took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. When David was told what Asia's daughter, Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and his son, Jonathan, from the citizens of Jabesh-Gilead. They had stolen the bodies from the public square of Bethshon, where the Philistines had hung them after they struck Saul down on Gilboa. David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and exposed were gathering up. 
They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zelah in Benjamin and did everything the king commanded. After that, God answered their prayer in behalf of the land. So what happened? Well, David, uh, he saw that Rizpah was was making a a scene about uh, about what David had done. And, and David saw, here's a moment really to to give a proper burial, yes, but he wasn't going to let them be the memorial. He was not going to let their death be something that was going to stand out. Instead, David said, okay, it's done. It's paid for. This is this has happened. Yes, but let's bury them. Let's put them. Uh, let's put them in the place, uh, in the rightful place for them to be buried. And that's what he did. And so he did. Um, uh, he took the bodies. He gave them burial. And we see this was the satisfaction of rooting out the problem and providing true restoration. The action was done. It was completed in this moment. And then we continue on verse 15. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. And David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. And and Ishbi Benab, one of the descendants of Rapho, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels and who was armed with a new sword, said said he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. Now let's stop and think for not only did we see from this from this time that David restored the relationship, but now we see as well David is wanting to go back out to battle. If you remember back in Second Samuel chapter eleven, right, he learned the lesson because what whenever he should have been in battle, he was not, and we see the whole implications of what happened from there in that moment. But here we see David is wanting to go back out to battle, right? He was not going to let this happen again. He's trying to leave a legacy of what's happening. And we see that it's not only that he's leaving a legacy, but he's wanting to also be an example of how this, I'm trying to make things right as much as possible. And of course, he's older, he's exhausted in this. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But listen to what it says, verse 18. In the course of time, there was another battle with the Philistines at Gob. At that time, Sibachai, the Hushatai, killed Saf, one of the descendants of Rapha. In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Elahan, son of Jair, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittai, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. Verse 20, and still another battle which took place at Gath. There was a huge man with six fingers on his hand and six toes on his foot, 24 in all. He was also descended from Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were descendants of Rapha and Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. So there were more giants that were faced in this. And notice how it's not David that's facing them. Instead, it's the men that follow David. You see, there reaches this moment in our life when we have to remember the battle changes. For David, the battle transition from one of guarding the hearts of the people physically to where it now began he, he wanted to guard his legacy. 
And a part of guarding your legacy is preparing for the next generation to take the course where you would have gone. Therefore, David's legacy lay not only in what he had accomplished, but what he was going to leave behind. A people prepared for victory and a people that could take the right steps to to battle. You see, David's triumphs were meaningful, not only for himself, but for others. And they had learned victory through his teaching example. Now think about that. What example do you want to leave in your life? Do you, do you have maybe some, some things that are sitting out there, some uh, relationships that are sitting out there that are unmended? Right? What kind of legacy are you wanting to leave with them? Right? Are, are you willing to go and make the sacrifices that need to be made in order to bring a relationship back together? And you may say, well, it's not my fault. Still, go and leave a legacy that sought restoration as much as possible. And, and then also, leave a legacy of where you're sharing and showing how to go walk through the battles. You know, you're going to go through some spiritual battles. You're going to go through some emotional battles in your life. And the reality is, is that God uses all those things for you to leave for the next generation of how to walk through those things. That's why, you know, I personally, I love reading the biographies or autobiographies of missionaries and pastors that have gone before us, that have gone through some deep and dark, hard moments, and to see what they went through and to see, you know what, I'm a part of leaving a a legacy now as well. I want my children, I want my grandchildren that come in the future, I want them to walk this same journey, to learn from some of the things that I went through, and to see as well, you know what, the victory is for them today. They don't have to rely upon my battles. Instead, they're going to be facing their own struggles, they're going to be facing their own battles, but they will be able to see as well, hey, I can walk this out for the glory of God in my own battle as well. And then all they're going to do is just continue to leave a legacy. You see, guys, we we think about what we're doing today, and when we think about what we're doing today, we see the impact that it'll have for the future. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Are we leaving one that's going to leave things broken? Or are we leaving one that's going to bring about restoration and prepare for the next generation that comes behind us? That is the kind of legacy that we want to have. God bless you guys. I look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast as we're continuing to walk through God's Word. Thank you so much for listening and just walking this out together. And I look forward to just hearing from some of you of what are maybe some insights that you've gained as well through the podcast. Look forward to talking to you soon. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.